talk about that. What well, one other thing I just have to say about dudes when they write mysteries, right? Yeah. In every sort of male written mystery, when a female character is introduced, the first thing they do is look at her ring finger. Okay, <laughs> that's the first thing every male like protagonist in these stories does. Looks at her ring finger, right. makes note of the fact that she's not wearing a ring mm-hmm. and therefore is not married. Mm-hmm. Why do they all do this? Is a question. And number two. Me and a lot of the gal pals that I have would completely throw these detectives off the scent of murder because, like, <laughs> we, we don't wear ours. A lot of women I know actually don't, like, constantly wear their wedding bands or engagement sure. rings. Like, when I read stuff like that in these novels, I'm like, good lord, boys. Good lord. Like, can you, can you, have you ever met a woman, like, in real life? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of He Said, D Said. Hello, hello, hello. I'm D. I'm he. <laughs> this is my fabulous husband, Ryan, and we're excited to talk about a couple of things today. But I will need to start with an apology uh, because of something I said in episode one. So we'll start there. What did you say? Okay, well, okay. So I was kind of side-eyeing Loki because of... Like, when we recorded episode one, we had seen two episodes, and I was like, this thing is going to be like being in a DMV. Turns out, <laughs> that was not the case at all. I am happy to say that I was wrong, and I apologize to the universe for doubting this show. <laughs> because today is July 18th. This past week released the finale the season finale of loki and boy do we have some things to talk about don't we babe indeed um also i am just kind of like happy about the irony of you (laughs) thinking this is getting a little bit slow they need to get to the meat and then the finale was literally a conversation around the table and you were like amazing (laughs) i know i know so we're gonna and we didn't finish that conversation because i wanted to have it with you on the podcast so in a way you're my guest and not co-host today because (laughs) When we talk about Loki, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions because I, there's just so much I'm dying to know after that finale. Yeah. Before we go much further, if you have not watched Loki on Disney+, and you intend to, um, we're getting real into spoilers immediately. So just be warned <laughs> if you're not into that, if you are if you need to catch up, do that first. Okay, let's review the agenda for today, my love. So we're going to talk about Loki for sure. Mm-hmm. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, well, since I have just recently convinced you to begin reading the Jack Reacher series, oh right, right, right. Uh, let's talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about Jack Reacher and sort of how I'm experiencing the books for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that might be all we have time for before we jump into grab bag. To be honest with you, yeah. So, um, yeah, and grab bag. Do you know what you're going to talk about yet? Um, I'm thinking about it. All right, cool. You're going to do it on the fly. <laughs> we're going to do it on the fly. <laughs> That's perfect. I've got at least four things I can. I know, same here. Um, Okay, well, looks like uh, our plans are set. Let's dive in. So, Loki. Loki. All right, so uh, this was the final episode of Loki. Uh, Just to kind of go over brief plot stuff, um, Loki, this is not the Loki from the movies. Uh, Well, it is, but also not. Yeah. So we talked about that a little bit. This This is the Loki that escaped. From the Avengers, when in Endgame they messed up their own time heist. Yeah. And so he has gone through this journey. He has met his own self from a 
different reality. A lady Loki. It was pretty lady. Yeah. And uh, and so throughout all of Which, this, it, can, let me ask you something. In the in the comic books, Loki isn't always a man. No. Right? No. So in fact, sometimes Loki has been a woman. Um, Loki's okay. So Loki's this, not a fan of the binary, and I love that about him. Yeah. Well, yeah. they they make a point of that to say even on his uh, on his his form when they process him at the TVA that his gender is fluid. So, you know, um, the, it's it's not exactly like total representation, but it's, yeah. it's an, I guess a nice movement in the right direction. Yeah, it's a nudge. Um, but the thing too is when you start to cross over North mytho- Norse mythology with the Norse mythology of the Marvel comics, you also get to the things like. Hey, that horse that they were that they showed in one of those episodes—that's actually Loki's child, because uh, okay. you know it's it's sort of like the Zeus thing where occasionally your myths and legend get into some some silliness with farm animals. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this podcast is taking a turn. Um, okay, so that's so he's got this lady Loki. Go yeah. on with the plot. Okay, so what they've been doing this entire show—they've been trying to escape from the TVA. Uh, they have uncovered the fact that the uh, space lizards. Who spe- who's supposed to run the TVA don't actually exist and are just puppets. Yeah. And uh, then they've gotten to the very end of time and realized uh, that they are looking at the man who runs the TVA. It was his idea, it's what he was doing, and now they're trying to get answers and also uh, break free of his hold because his entire premise is there is no free will. This is just how things have to go now. And you can either kill me and let the madness of a multiverse that we haven't been pruning in Sue, or you can work for me and basically run the universe. Okay, so I think we need to slow down just a second because in the last podcast we talked about the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. There's been four other ones-ish, yeah. something like that, and there has been a journey. Things mm-hmm. got really fast-paced. Every like Every character that we love... You know, and there, there's more than just Loki and Lady Loki, too. There's these sort of ancillary characters that have been going through some journeys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, has gone through their own kind of evolution when it comes to discovery of what's going on. And the the mission that Loki and Lady Loki are on for the, the last, like, you know, 66.66% of this last two-thirds of, of the season is to sort of team up and go and find out, like, who is behind the curtain, right. really. And they've been faked out a couple times. Uh, there were the lizards. That's who we thought it was going to be. Turns out they were just androids sort of like propped up there to, to, to mess with them. They go into, I mean, there's just sort of like a, a quest. And then they do find ultimately the man behind the curtain. Yeah. So did, is that good enough? Like, I think so. Cut everybody up because I really want to talk about the man. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing that I will say is that in the penultimate episode, where you meet the other Lokis who have been pruned. That is probably maybe my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, where you've got Richard E. Grant as a completely comics accurate older Loki, and then you've got an alligator Loki. An alligator it's, Loki. It's I mean, good. there's, you know, the universe is vast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and magical. And I love that, you know, there's even a few extra Hiddlestons in there, and basically all the Lokis together end up just sort of betraying each other the second they see each other. Well, they're in two groups. It's sort of Lokis against Lokis. And, you know, like the underdogs are the ones that we want to win, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. With with our original Loki or whatever. You can't even say he's original. Mm-hmm. But 
Uh, yeah, that was so lovely seeing all the the, the various loci, if you will. The loci. It's <laughs> the same word. <laughs> it is the same word. Just you but know. it's funny in in basically a one point one amount of episodes because mm-hmm. they're at the very end of the episode before that that you get this time with these Lokis and you get all this awesome like yeah. catharsis out of them. Yeah. You get this great, like, overlapping series of stories with these Lokis. You get some, like, noble sacrifices from some Lokis. Mm. It's amazing. I it loved really it. Is. It's really, I think it's my favorite episode. And I feel like because it's the big action one where they're even, like, fighting a giant purple space cloud monster, mm. um, then that sets the table for uh, a, you know, a final climactic episode, which is just a conversation. Yeah. And a performance, basically. Oh my god, what a performance. Jonathan Majors as the one who remains. He who remains. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, let's kind of dig into what, like, who this man is. Because I don't, I did not read Thor growing up. Like, I did not read the comics. So I actually don't have any sense. And I don't remember him in any of the comics, like, showing up in any of the comics, you know, this purple man. Mm Mm-hmm. That I have read. So I need you to explain to me who he is in a second. First, let's just talk about what we discover. Yeah. Right? So they, they get to the, the you know, Loki, man Loki and lady Loki get to this castle after kind of bending together and defeating this huge, enchanting this huge smoke monster that's in their path. Elias. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And... They get up there, and you you get to see Miss Minutes again, you who's do. like kind of the secret star of this entire series. Also, sort of terrifying. Also, sort of terrifying. Um, and she tries to bribe them and say, "Listen, we'll like put you back. We'll unprune you or whatever. We'll put you back in your original timelines. It'll be like none of this stuff ever happened." It's the whole Agent Smith cipher comes. Exactly, it yeah. is. It totally <laughs> is. And then you know you're good to go. And they decide that that's not worth it to them. They want to know the truth and they want to like bring down the system. Yeah. Lokis don't like to be placated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. And so, so they move past this sort of decoy deal and they actually make their way through the castle and blah, 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 blah. They are greeted by Jonathan Majors. By Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Okay. Who never introduces himself with a name, Mm -mm. but he does tell a story who had me, uh, sitting next to you on the couch, consistently leaning forward with a big smile on my face because they could not believe what was happening. Yeah, like what they're doing with it. So he comes out of this elevator into the room that they're in, eating an apple, which is just <laughs> so fabulous. And he, th- this apple is a prop throughout, I think, the next like 15 minutes. And he handles it so brilliantly. <laughs> like move over Brad Pitt. <laughs> who was formerly the best actor in terms of eating on screen, you right. have been dethroned. <laughs> okay. And so he's he's eating this apple and he's like explaining the first of all, they're like, Who the F are you? We're gonna destroy you. How dare you? Yeah. And he just kind of like takes them through a walkabout within the castle, sort of like up to his office through this elevator. Yeah. And is steps ahead of every single thing they say and try to do because they do try to attack him before they even get to the office in the mm-hmm. elevator. He's completely ahead of them. Right. And then what happens? And then it, he puts he puts a choice in front of them. And he explains... Another choice, though. Not the one that they were greeted with. Yeah. Uh, a choice a little bit more respectful of their abilities and talents, but also making very clear to them that every amount of ego or 
pride that they have in their accomplishments should be kind of put down a little bit because he has seen all of this coming. Yeah, and sort of has enabled it mm-hmm. as well. To him, he, he is explaining to them not only the choice, like the one choice that they actually do have, but that all of their choices up to then have been a predetermined course. Yeah. In the sacred timeline. So the timeline, Which he controls. Right. The timeline is what this has all been about. It's also something that began being discussed in Avengers Endgame when they're talking about, well, we have to take the stones, but if we take them, then we create a branching reality, and so we have to put them back immediately. Mm-hmm. That all starts in Avengers Endgame and then is carried through as an actual like conversation within this show of what does that actually mean? What does a branching timeline mean? And what I really like about that is that let's we're just going to name him. Um, Jonathan Majors is playing a character from the comics called Kang. Kang the Conqueror. Um, actually, you could say he's playing a character called Immortus, which is the person that all Kangs eventually become. Ooh, we're going to get into this in a yes. second. Finish that original thought. But, so, he's, he's letting them know that the TVA has existed for a very long time, based on him setting it up, to keep the timeline from branching into multiverses. Which I think a lot of string theorists and uh, and scientists might say is impossible, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll invite one to the, to the yeah. show at some point. <laughs> so uh, keeping all things, so the TVA has been established to basically keep the timeline running in one direction according to his will. He might actually say he's not even got a will because he sees everything that has ever happened or is going to happen up to this point where he gives them a choice and then he sees no more. Right. Well, and his whole thing is he uh, he is supposedly a benevolent you know, sort of benefactor of the TVA because he needed to create it in order to make sure that the rest of us don't die. Because if we don't stay on our timeline, we will actually clash with other timelines that are much more superior to us or eviler than us or mm-hmm. whatever, more nefarious than us, blah, blah, blah. All and they will kill us. And all of this will happen again. God, the VSG reps yeah. in here. But so, <laughs> so he, so according to him, we should all be thanking him because if he wasn't, you know, if the, him and the TVA weren't making sure that we were on the straight and narrow pruning other timelines then we would come up against these other far superior forces and completely be wiped out right and so it's interesting though because you say he's benevolent and i think he would agree but he would no no he said he's benevolent i'm not saying i think he he says he's the most benevolent because what he's actually up against or what he's saying that they're up against is all the other versions from other realities of himself aren't him yeah, but yeah, that aren't yeah, kind of tuned the way that he's tuned. So, so like his, so he thinks the bigot. So he has basically communicated to these two Lokis right. that there are evils out there much worse than him that are actually versions of himself. His variants. Yeah, his yeah. his variants. Okay. So, what is the thing that he tells them? What what is the choice that he gives them? Kill me here. And let the multiverse happen. I'm tired. I don't care anymore. Kill me here. And deal with whatever happens. Or. Or. Work for me. You take over. You prune the timelines. And basically become gods. And essentially I will retire with like a board seat or whatever. And like (laughs) not do. Not do the day to day because I've lived for a bazillion years. And advisory shares in reality. (laughs) Right. And and I'm exhausted. (laughs) Okay, what an interesting uh, choice because for the for the Lokis, mm-hmm. this is a moment where you can have 
two things that you want, but mm-hmm. only one of them. You can either have power. A throne. A throne. Yeah. Or you can complete your task of vengeance. And have total freedom. Right. Which is also what Lokis want. It's total freedom. Ugh. And these Lokis, Tom Hiddleston and, um, uh, and the, the Sylvie. lady. Sylvie. Yeah. So they have also begun to care for each other. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a little low-key romance happening. The internet has called it self-cessed, <laughs> and I, I do not care for this. I do not understand <laughs> the internet. Okay, so... So, so, uh, so the choice, and, and this is the thing, so it's it's choices on choices, because the choice yeah. is, uh, take his exact choices, which Sylvie is inclined to do, just kill him and get it over with. Yeah, she is like, this is what we came here to do. And, you know, this Loki... This Tom Hiddleston Loki has been going through a journey on this show mm-hmm. and is no longer the guy who tried to conquer Earth on in New York. He's kind of seen the result of all of his, his ambitions and always leading to basically ignoble death. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like, we should think about this because if whatever comes after is worse than this guy, that is not something we can just decide. Yeah. yeah. So. And what's, what's interesting about this and why it matters is Kang is laying this out as a reality because he's seen how this goes before. Mm. So Kang, Immortus, he does, he's not named in the show, but yeah. this is from my nerdy, nerd knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> from your, your files, from your brain archives. So what happens is over time in every reality, one guy or girl, Whatever, lots of different Kangs can exist, but usually Nathaniel Richards, descendant of Reed Richards. Oh my God! Hold on, we just have to. You can't just like walk past this sentence. Just like <laughs> drop in descendant of Reed Richards to me. So what you're telling me is that this guy is like a great great X ten hundred whatever grandson of, of Mister Fantastic. Yep, and uh, also a smart fella, just like Reed Richards. Ay ay ay. Usually in the 31st century, or the 40, 41st. See, because the thing about him is, he usually finds time travel technology and starts bopping around all over the timeline. And usually, eventually, ends up conquering parts of that timeline and then basically colonializes time. That's oh Kang's gosh. entire deal. Is He'll shoot way into the future to uh, Earth that is washed out and then... Like, all of the, the remaining inhabitants are fighting wars with technology they don't understand, so he conquers them, and then he'll shoot back to the 20th century and conquer some of that and fight the Avengers. And Why? Why does he do all this? Usually, be, well, at first it's opportunity. <laughs> okay, but what is his motivation? So he's, like, if we go back to his origin story mm-hmm. as, you know, Nathan Richards. Nathaniel. Nathaniel Richards. Mm-hmm. Isn't Nathan short for Nathaniel? Can be. Okay, so Nathan's fine. Okay, so <laughs> whatever, we're friends. Um, so he, like, basically is, like, a scientist, discovers time travel. Is that what's going on here? Is it, like, a pin particle moment? In some some cases, he'll find time travel that, like, Dr. Doom invented, or he'll invent time travel machines, or it, it, it can happen many ways. But, okay. his... but he, always disco- he always makes the discovery of time travel, and then he just decides to, like, leave his... Like, he doesn't, clearly doesn't have a life if he's like, ooh, I'm going to, like, go and travel in time all the time. Well, he's a he's a historian and archaeologist and researcher, so he, he's, he's obsessed with history. Okay, but, like, he's got, like, 
no significant other, no kids, Not nothing. True. Not true. So uh, after Kang starts to conquer and usually builds a pretty nice empire, mm-hmm. um, he meets... Uh, okay, this is after, but I'm saying we're still talking origin story here. I mean, it's all tied together. And but here's he the discovers... thing. It's not linear because lots of these things will happen in one century or another century. And for Kang, it's happening in a certain way, but it's not happening for us. Oh, my gosh. So he, he can just do whatever the heck he wants because no one's, like, in his life when he discovers time travel is yeah. what I'm trying to ask. He's just sort of like, oh, cool, time travel. I guess we're traveling through time. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's just it. It's not like he has to go talk to anybody and be like, babe, I love you, but the thing is I've discovered time travel and the thing is I'm obsessed with it and, like, maybe we'll be together again in another life, but I must go to, like, 1934. No, he's already a conqueror by the time he has anybody in his life. And what happens is usually it's a bit like a Mr. Freeze scenario where it's somebody who is, like, dying and he's trying to, like, find ways to resurrect them or protect them. And so um, the thing... Okay, so dash that. That, that, that plays a part, but it's also not totally a part. Some Kangs, some Kangs. Okay. So every Kang eventually gets to the point where they discover the multiverse. And when they do, they become a part of the Council of Kangs. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that... There are other D's in other universes who mm-hmm. are, like, doing whatever shenanigans those D's are doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I could make contact with them, I would just create, like, a council of me's? Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, that a lot oh of people are going to laugh because they watch this show, Rick and Morty, which I do not. But oh they, they do this same thing with the character Rick in that show. And so when I saw this episode and I saw some of my friends talking online, they're like, oh, like Rick and Morty. I'm like, no, they did it first. <laughs> okay, Rick and Morty were inspired by these guys. Okay, so there's a council of kings. I yes. cannot. This is amazing. He is a huge narcissist at this point. And he explains this in the show. He says, okay, look, you think it's fine? You think this is all going to work out? Here's what happens every time. Um, a certain amount of me's all usually get to the point where they discover time travel and start to colonize worlds. And what happens is we, we would all meet together and discuss our plans and share power. And eventually, some of us would fight each other. And basically, it always comes tumbling down. All Kangs basically go through the same arc. So eventually... So the council is disbanded? Well, I mean, you've just got some actors who care more or less about it. And eventually, you know, they want to annex more territories and conquer more. And then they start bigger wars. Oh my god. It always falls to ruin. And then, if a Kang goes long enough, they always reach this point where they're tired of it all. And they don't want to do it anymore. And they're they're done. So that's the point that this character in the show is at. He's like, That's the Immortus thing. Yeah. Okay, so Immortus is sort of like their senior Pokemon form. What they have <laughs> done, they have done like yes. a ton of conquering and stuff like that. And they're just sort of sick of it. They've burned out at work. Yeah. Like they, you know, they've, they've experienced working from home during the pandemic even. And now they don't want to go back into the office. So they're just going to quit. Is that like the exactly. thing? Exactly. Wow. They're, they're like, um, you know, I think I'm just going to go abroad for a year. <laughs> like travel and, around. And it's literally that because usually what will happen is whenever they're just fed up, like they'll go is be a sabbatical? No, they'll just go be a pharaoh. Wait. <laughs> he does but he doesn't want to run like the world i guess or the worlds yeah he will decide to like go into a piece of time and be like like ramatut that's in the first appearance where he shows up he's a pharaoh okay he's kind of (laughs) cool 
He's one of my favorite villains. Wow. Yeah. Okay, he's but amazing. what else is his deal like? What's his vibe? Like, like, give me some more intel on, like, okay, like, what would he be like to, like, hang with? Um, well, supposedly, sort of like the Doctor Doom thing, uh-huh. he runs a pretty, pretty good ship. Like, you know, if you're part of his lands, you're not really hurting. You know, can't, like, okay, in the cartoon Earth, uh, um, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, which is, like, basically the only good Marvel animated thing in decades mm. that I know of, um, Kang shows up and he tells the Avengers, you brought back Captain America, you messed up the timeline, you're wiping out my future, it's over for you guys. Cap's gotta go. And also, the Krees and the Skrulls are about to invade Earth and uh, create an interstellar war that's gonna wipe out the planet. So I tell you what. I'm just going to conquer this place and give you my technology and we'll blast those guys when they get here. Okay, hold on. So he doesn't like Captain America. I like him even more now. We have so much in common. (laughs) Just this one. Uh, So it it can be different stories, different things. Like if something goes amiss on the timeline, he'll show up and be like, you guys messed up. I'm here to fix it. And then the Avengers have to fight him off. Wow. Okay, so, you know, at some podcast time, you and I are going to have to have the ultimate smackdown about the whole <laughs> Captain America versus, like, Tony Stark thing and, like, why I don't like Cap. You know we're going to have to do yeah. that. Well, <laughs> uh, another time. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. So the, the interesting thing, too, is that there's a younger team of people who become Avengers called the Young Avengers. And there's a person who's, you know, who basically fits the role of the classic Avengers. There's a speedster, there's um, like a Doctor Strange type, and those are both Wanda's kids that showed up in oh, WandaVision. Oh, WandaVision, the twins that she had? Yes. So the twins were real. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. They, I, I think mean, they exist. We probably still. will meet them again, maybe in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. We'll wow, see. Wow, okay. Then there's a Hulk type. Which is, is, can I ask, Is um, are the kids actually visions in the comic? Wanda invents them. Out of magic. Wow. Okay. Okay. She creates them. She's super, super powerful. So she just creates twins. Mm-hmm. Does she create a nanny too? Because that's a lot for a single <laughs> gal to be like dealing with. I mean, they basically grow up around the Avengers. There's an entire terrible comic story that I don't like where she goes crazy because she realizes her kids aren't real. And so what happens is... Um, she loses her mind. And it's, you know, it's one of those kinds of stories where crazy uh, woman kind of wreaks havoc. Uh, I don't care for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, going back. So the Young so Avengers. Young Avengers. Okay. So the Captain America type is Isaiah Bradley's descendant. All right. So that kid that we saw in Captain America, uh, or sorry, Fa- the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, who's living with Isaiah Bradley. Wow. So he becomes Patriot. And then uh, you've got a Hulk type who is basically a scroll who infiltrated and took that role. Wow. And then you've got you've got a number of others, but the important thing is you've got Iron Lad. Mm-hmm. And Iron Lad, nobody sees Iron Lad's face. It's just like this kid wearing like a really advanced sort of an Iron Man armor. And then you find out it's a younger Kang who's come back and wants to fight on the side of the Avengers. So he's fought against them and with them? Yes. He's also led them in battle against other Kangs. (laughs) He's really cool. He's amazing. I really like him. (laughs) Wow. And so why haven't we, like, heard of this guy in other Marvel? He's really weird. 
Okay, so it's like kind of a tough to get right sort of thing. And they've been seeding him in. So now that I now that I've seen this, I see what they were doing at Avengers Endgame with this whole timeline thing, which I was kind of like, uh, I don't know that that makes sense as time travel, but it doesn't matter because time heists are fun. But now that I understand the importance of the sacred timeline and what they were doing there, it's like okay, yeah, this makes sense, and it makes sense because Loki and Loki make their choice. Well, they make different choices. Yeah. But Sylvie makes the choice, this guy's got to go. And so she kills him. And she pushes Tom Hiddleston's Loki out of the, you know, out of the room, back into the TVA. And she kills him. And he says, see you soon. Oh, my God. And the next... What a baller, like, last <laughs> phrase to say, by the way. Like, he is so fierce Majors and I'm loving so him. He's amazing. Uh, he's oh really, gosh. really good. Well, the way that he was doing all of the, like, storytelling in that episode to them, too. Like, explaining everything to them. He's a weird guy. He's so... It, he's, like, jumping up on the table, but he's not crazy. He's, like, creating those little, like, statues and stuff out of thin air. But, like, he's not using his full power. I thought it was, like, so fabulously done. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you're talking about a Kang who has become his, like, immortus. And so uh, the journey is that every king will get tired of battle and conquering and eventually just kind of be like, I'm going to protect the timeline. Wow. I'm done with this. I'm just going to go protect the time. So he's reached that point. But he's it takes like centuries for them to get long tired, time, huh? Long time. Yeah. And so. Have they like made appropriate 401k contributions? It's like <laughs> everything. Like, I mean, so he, he, he is just living on his pension. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the this is where where it's really interesting is he says you know see you soon oh my gosh and uh, he doesn't care because to him he knows all of recorded history and everything that's going to happen up until the point where those Lokis make their choice and then he's just like I'm good with whatever <laughs> I don't care why can't he see beyond that because that's his end point he's mastered time to such a point he's he's been managing one single timeline for so long that he knows everything about it. Up until the point of his death. And you see that a lot in fiction, where time is... So he knew he was going to die before he yeah. was killed. Before they'd made the choice. He, well, he knew that there was a choice that would create a number right, but of if different he can't, But if he can't see past it, and he's seen past every other choice that might have come that way, you, you could easily say he knew that he was going to die. Yeah, you could say that. He said, I think he expected it was a very strong possibility. Mm-hmm. Especially because you're dealing with Loki's. And that's just the way it is. So, uh, but the the thing that I love there is that she knocks Loki back into the TVA. Yeah. And he... They smooch first, though. <laughs> they do. <laughs> just so satisfying. And then, she, but she betrays him. Well, she doesn't betray him. And I mean, she does. She, yeah, I mean, just by throwing him back in. Yeah, she, she's Loki. I don't know. It's not the same thing as her, like glomming for ambition though she makes the choice for revenge over any kind of happiness with him right well yeah come on that's a betrayal you know and also it's it's a thing that they had decided they were going to do together you know and they enchanted you know the smoke the what is it called again the monster smoke monster Lyoth Lyoth like together and then they come in here and she will shove him aside and finish I mean it is the original mission that's one thing yeah. I will give her but people are complicated and they don't just get better overnight listen I get it but she was actually better than him up to this point if anyone was going to do the betraying I thought it was going to be him I, and, and it, it wasn't he's, he's genuinely grown and at this point too this and this is where it all leads to 
like the big Planet of the Apes style end is because she knocks him back in the TVA. He sees Owen Wilson and runs up Ugh. to his friend who yeah. he's had like this journey with. And the guy has no idea who he is. And then you see in the background just this giant statue of Kang. Just devastating. I mean, just absolutely devastating. So he's already, Kangs have already risen up and are running things. Okay, so what's, so now essentially she has opened the floodgates. Yep. All of the timelines can converge upon this one. Yep. Things are going to be chaotic. No one's. Other dimensions, anybody. other dimensions can start to show up and start fights with other dimensions. And this is going to lead to, I think every major Marvel movie coming now is going to have something to do with multiverse stuff. Because Spider-Man uh, 3 is going to have, like, Alfred Molina in it and stuff. Like, different... Diego. Yeah, He's Diego. Um, Doctor Strange 2, directed by Sam Raimi, which is going to be amazing is going to be called Multiverse of Madness, and it's going to be about him and Wanda working together to do something mm-hmm. in the Multiverse of Madness. And then Ant-Man 3, Ant- Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, is all about craziness with the quantum realm. So basically, and Kang will so be in th- that. Oh, he will? Kang will be in that one. Oh, man, I can't wait. So this is essentially the beginning of a new era of Marvel movies then. Right. Like, we're done with sort of the classic... Stuff and now we're getting into the multiverse the weird complexities, stuff. <laughs> the weirdness the weird of all of it. Stuff. Everything I just good explained. weird or bad weird? Do you think? Look, it, it's comics. It can go either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything that we've been talking about for the past thirty minutes. Just think about the fact that two weeks ago, if I had said this in a room full of people, even my friends, they would have been like, "Okay, dude." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we still are going to do that, too, like, in, yeah. in rooms now, but other yeah. things. But All yeah. right. Kane, got <laughs> yeah. it. Very cool. <laughs> wow. Well, he's fascinating. Yeah. And now they've been seeding this for a while, and I think, I don't think we're looking. Here's my pet theory. Uh, I'm going to Babe Ruth point and call my shot. I think we're done for a while with big Avengers-type crossovers. I just, I don't think that's happening for a while. I think really? that Marvel is turning it into a more singular-type one-movie-at-a-time company for a little bit. I think that they want to have real big swings with things like Eternals and hiring people like Sam Raimi. I think they want to get a little bit away from the big shared stuff. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. to say that it won't be shared, but it's going to be less of the big focus, the big Avengers crossovers. I think that stuff's done for a while. It has to be, right? Because they need to recreate a universe of heroes now. And and to do that, every hero needs to have their focus, needs Uh to have their day. Yeah. And I, I think that they also just want to make more interesting movies. I think that these shows are where they get to have the sandbox for the established loved characters. Oh, that's such a cool way to look at it. I think that that's what we're looking at. I, I mean, there will be a Captain America 4 starring Anthony Mackie. Um, but that, I think, was seeded by the show. Mm. And even that, I think, I think they're really trying to kind of branch out in interesting ways with the movies. And that's really cool. I, I think... Probably the objective opinion is that this Loki show is the best show that Marvel has done. Absolutely. Will you agree with that? Yeah. See, so I say objective because my personal favorite is still Daredevil. I think that is like oh, I mean, the best. I mean in like the MCU proper. Okay. Yeah. 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 
No, it Daredevil is. is the best thing. Daredevil <laughs> is the best thing, right? Okay, so we're on the same page about that. Daredevil is the best. You know after I've had a couple glasses of wine, that's like where I want to take the discussion. So. And there are rumors so that Charlie Cox could show up in Spider-Man 3. He is, I, I hope so, because they made a huge mistake and not, like, he, he was cast so perfectly. He's amazing. He is so amazing. He's, he's got oh. Matt Murdock down. He really does. I, I love that show. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that character. Daredevil is definitely, Yeah. I mean, there are most days where I would say my favorite long underwear character. <laughs> Your favorite yeah. long underwear character. I know. I love, I love me some Daredevil. So, um, we'll see if that pops back around. Yeah, it seems like a, a lost era, though. I don't see, yeah. I don't see stuff like that or Punisher or no. you know any of these kinds of uh, of things, sort of Neo esque in the Matrix yeah. coming back for quite some time. So it'll be, I mean, the the good thing is is we're not starting with a completely fresh Marvel cast of characters. Like there's some that have been set up already that will return, like. Um, Ant-Man, who I just adore, yeah. and the tone of those movies is just so perfect. <laughs> like, let's just say Michael Pena is just... Michael Pena. He's just freaking genius. He's oh one my of God. those guys now where every time he shows up in anything, even if it's garbage butt... <laughs> it's great. I love him. <laughs> the in scenes it. with him are great, <laughs> I know. So, okay, I mean, so yeah, I, we've got a couple, and we don't know what's happening with uh, Black Panther, do we? Um, no, we know that Ryan Coogler is working on it, and okay. we know that they're not recasting Chadwick Boseman, okay. and they're going to do something else. And also, there's going to be a Wakanda show um, on D+, as well, mm-hmm. So, and he is running that, too. I think they basically just said, Ryan Coogler, come in, do, and do stuff. whatever. And we did get to see the Dora in, um, in this Captain America show. Yeah, we did. So that was great. Okay. And so the, the Dora Milaje will be a big part of the show. Good, because they're freaking amazing. Yeah, oh my god. Nobody kicks ass like the Dora. I think I saw something where they were thinking about giving Okoye a show, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I would love. I would live. They oh should. Oh my god, they really should. They should. The Night Guerrera is amazing. I mean, just a gift. A gift. Um, so new era of Marvel. Huh? Yeah. I think, I think expect more weirdness. Yeah. Expect movies to take bigger swings. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, I think there's some growing pains there, uh, but you're hiring people like Chloe Zhao, I mean, the writer, to do things like Eternals. Yeah. I mean, expect for Marvel to start getting a little bit more adventurous. Good, and I'm so excited about Sam Raimi, too. I love him so I much. I know. I hope that means we get to see some sort of surprise Bruce uh, Campbell cameo. He's all but It confirmed. has to be. Really? Yeah. Okay, I can't wait. That's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see him. And also, you know, I'm not the biggest Benedict Cumberbatch fan in the world. Me neither. But in every movie that wasn't his own, he's been great. He's fine. I mean, the only reason that, like, I have, like, patience for those movies is because they've got Tilda. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you can't. But, yeah, the Doctor Strange are not my favorites at all. And they are, frankly, kind of boring. They're, they're not. Well, you know, there's there's just that one and then his little appearances where he's good in everybody else's movie. But now you've got the godfather of comic book movies coming to do his movie is going to be good. Okay. Yeah. We shall see. Lots to look forward to in the Marvel universe, it looks mm-hmm. like. So we definitely uh, dove in on Marvel today. Yeah, we did. Um, Should we uh, switch gears up in here? Let's do it.
Item the second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I've been um, I've been a big fan of the Jack Reacher books for a while. I think since I saw that movie, the first one, not the second one, oh. um, which is sort of Jack Reachery. Uh, it's well directed. It's got Tom Cruise, who is not very Jack Reachery. Well, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I got into the books because some of my friends were into the books, and I've read uh, ten or eleven of them at this point. And so I have been convinced for a while that D would like them. <laughs> and I have like side eyed, and, and let me tell you why. Like why I've rolled my eyes every time mm-hmm. you ask me to read it, and then I finally, I guess the spoiler alert is finally I'm reading them now. I'm yeah. really enjoying them. But, so, there's a couple things that were working against it for me, conceptually, which mm. is why I did not want to give them a shot. Because I know you've, like, wanted to know for a while what those things are, right? Mm. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, the fact that Jack Reacher was played by Tom Cruise, like, did not help your case. <laughs> I am not a fan, not into it, not picking up what's being put down over there, whatever. Okay, yeah. so, that there I was just like, nope. Dot com, right? <laughs> but then the other thing is I'm like, okay, looking at this, there's, you know, this sort of like lone, western, quiet, grumpy, like very like uh, violent kind of dude swerving into like, you know, swaggering his way into town and being very like <laughs> mysterious, whatever shit that I've like had quite enough of. I'm like, <laughs> this is like, you know, very straight male fantasy stuff that's mm-hmm. going to get boring because we're just going to talk about guns and, you know, women's boobs and stuff like that in this book, right? So <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just not the audience for this. And, like, while I'm not saying that I haven't read a couple things like that that, you know, were fine, it's just well-worn territory that usually is very hard to get right. Sure. And it's boring. So <laughs> there's that as well. So I just thought, oh, my God, I don't want to read this Duty McDooderson series, like there's so many things to read. Mm-hmm. So um, finally I did it because, you know, I love you and I'm an amazing wife. And so I'm like, let me read this thing. Um, and so I so I started reading it last week. And um, what I'm really liking about it, so it, it is the things that I mentioned um, in that, you know, it's kind of this lone wolf character with this sort of somewhat mysterious past that's starting to come out as he goes through things in the movies. Should we explain a little bit more about it first? Sure. All right. So what it is, uh, it's a series of pulp novels written by Lee Child. That's his pen name. Uh, Not an American. British guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's American now. He lives here. (laughs) But uh, about a guy who grew up on army bases in the military. His family was in the military. And uh, his mom was French. His dad was a Marine. And... He enlisted immediately after becoming old enough and was served in the military himself, becoming a military police, which is basically... Policing the military. Policing the military. (laughs) And so he decides one day after years and years of service that he should probably actually go spend some time in America since he's only been there a couple of times. Yeah. You know, and he's going to just live the way he wants to live. No more, you know, he's not going to like own property. He's not going to... You know, go get a job somewhere. He's he's worked and and all that enough. He's just gonna go live and wander, and so he does. He comes to America and he just gets on a greyhound and sets up his pension to, to deliver directly to Western Union drops if he needs it, mm-hmm. and he just rolls around the United States, mm-hmm. just seeing what's there, visiting, um, you know, museums or you know, 
um, you know, diners, diners, <laughs> lots of diners. Yep, it's written by a man. There's going to be diners. Yeah. Usually, yep. every book starts at a diner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, usually, he he walks into a town where or a city uh, where bad things are happening, and gets embroiled in whatever plot is happening. But he just so happens to be the meanest, nastiest person on the planet. And so, whatever things are going on. They're usually having to deal with this brooding, hulking, six foot five monster who is not really concerned with fitting into society. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the mysteries evolve from there. So, and I should point out, you're, you kind of made him sound like he's an old man. No, he's like mid to late 30s. Yeah. He's young, he's very fit, and he's roughly the size of half a Hulk. So, right. yeah, that's, like, what's going on. So, yeah, so, and essentially that's, like, so far what's going on in the book. I'm about, like, you know, maybe 25% of the way through. We've done quite a bit at a diner, for sure. <laughs> we we are spending uh, some time in, you know, like, in an overnight jail situation for something that we did not do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're meeting a whole bunch of, like, really terrible Awful. men. Yeah. yeah, like essentially. Um and but but what I'm enjoying about it and what I'm kind of charmed by a little bit is the way that the author writes. Yeah. It, because it's incredibly simple. There are very direct short sentences that are communicating very obvious observational things. There right. is a table. There is a glass of soda on the table. Right. Like there are no commas. There are short and medium-sized sentences. Yep. And they come right after each other. I mean, as, <laughs> as sentences do. But you, you know what I mean? Like, just I know real exactly fast. what you mean. Just real fast. And, they, and, and the way, and, and what that's doing is it's sort of keeping movement in the book pace itself with how you might move on a really frantic, busy day. Right. And I'm really liking that element of it. Like, this is not an author that is trying to prove to anybody that he's a writer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that in, like, italics and air quotes. And, like, <laughs> that he's um, some major intellectual or, ha- you know, like, he is just telling a story. And all because you're not focused on, because I do this sometimes with, like, really great writers um, I will get lost in the way that they're constructing sentences right. to the point that, like, I've forgotten what's going on in the story that they're telling, <laughs> which is another beautiful way to, like, appreciate a book and, and, and an author. But I just haven't read anything that's written, been written in this kind of, like, obvious, straightforward, observational style in a long time. Like, maybe maybe since I was a kid and was reading, like, R.L. Stein books or something, <laughs> like, Goosebumps. I would say even Stein wants to get a little more flower than each other. Yeah, probably, but, thing- but he's got goop, man. <laughs> so, like, I'd get flowery goop too. So, what I what what you're talking about there is also the way that he's a little bit deceptive, oh. because the thing about Child is he writes these mysteries, these pulpy mysteries, and he's not like he, he's very specifically trying to prune out all of the BS. Mm-hmm. He wants to communicate five ideas in two sentences, mm. and they have to be, you know, I did this, and then I looked at that. She wasn't buying it. Yeah. Like, very clear, direct, but also, like, as you go along and you get lulled into this pattern and cadence with him, mm-hmm. that's where he starts to get you. Oh. And so you'll find that over time, because the books all take place one after another, and it's not in a, like, time bubble. Mm-hmm. Jack Reacher gets older as the books go forward. He's been aging for 20-something years at this point. And um, so you find a lot of interesting positions on... 
you know, gender dynamics amongst these types of people and um, the ways that veterans are treated and capitalism in general. It's very like somebody from the outside viewing American society mm. in these simple, short sentences. It's it's really interesting yeah. as, as it goes along. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm i still reading it, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But Also, a, lots of fights and violence. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I mean, the opening scene in this had, you know, uh, quite an interesting scene. Um, so there's a lot of books. Yeah. Like a ton of them. How many of them have you read? About 10 or 11. Wow. And he's, they're still being written? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He basically will sit down and write one. And he says that he never thinks about the mystery or tries to craft it beforehand. He kind of discovers it along with the characters. Huh. And I don't know, you know, there's certain things that writers say. And yeah, who yeah. knows if they're true. But I yeah. buy it with him because I really do feel like he's he's crafting a, he's crafting this this world from the perspective of this of this character. Yeah. And while he always knows more than the other characters do for the most part, he never knows everything and he's discovering it with you. So mm-hmm. he's got that Sherlock Holmes detective thing going on for like a big meathead MP. But <laughs> can we talk about that? What well, one other thing I just have to say about dudes when they write mysteries, right? Yeah. <laughs> so in every sort of male written mystery, when a female character is introduced, the first thing they do is look at her ring finger. Okay, that's the first thing every male like protagonist in these stories does: looks at her ring finger, right. makes note of the fact that she's not wearing a ring mm-hmm. and therefore is not married. Mm-hmm. Why do they all do this? Is a question. And number two, me and a lot of the gal pals that I have would completely throw these detectives in air quotes again off the scent of murder because, like, <laughs> we, we don't wear ours. A lot of women I know actually don't like constantly wear their wedding bands or engagement sure. rings. And many don't even have, like, aesthetically the ones that you would think of as, engage- like, traditional engagement rings, whatever. A lot of women are doing different types of stones or no solitaire at all, that kind of thing. So I just think, that, like, when I read stuff like that in these novels, I'm like, good it's lord, boys. Good it's lord. Like, can you, can you, have you ever met a woman, like, in <laughs> real life? Like, let's, so that's just a, it's just a little smart-ass thing I wanted to tell you. But, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that kind of humor where it's, like, they'll kind of size up a person or, you know, mm. like, based on their clothes or the, or the condition of the clothes or the shoes or whatever, they'll be able to, like, get a ton of information that will help them in some way. And so right. there's a ton of, of that happening in, like, the first few And those pages. details always come back later. He'll remember, he'll remember something that he's touched on. And this is another thing that I like about Lee Child is, like, as he's going through the town or as like the, the mystery keeps unfolding, he might return to an, an idea or a detail, but not flesh it out mm. and just, it'll pop into his head or something. And then finally at the end, it's like, why am I so stupid? That was the thing the whole time. Oh, you yeah. Know, that kind of thing where, but, but I like the way because you're really in there with Jack Reacher's head. Some of the books are first person, some are not, but like you'll even see him think about it or see something but it's written in a way where your eyes are kind of like moving over it and you're like oh maybe that's important maybe not now he's hitting a guy (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you don't have really time to consider it too much i mean so yeah so i'm I'm enjoying it we'll we'll see how the book like i said i'm only like 25 percent of the way through so Mm. there's still time for the book to sort of like grab me and like get it to the point where i'm like not able to put it down Mm -hmm. If that happens, it's great. Maybe I'll read another one. But so far, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, <laughs> to be honest with you. Let me ask um, you a question. Yeah. Has, has there been a murder? 
No, the book starts with a murder. All right. Do you know who the body is? Not yet. So there's two There's two people. So he and this other guy, Hubble, mm-hmm. are spending time in, in an overnight jail right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the idea that he has, he has helped the police come up with is that actually that body has not been identified yet, uh, was killed by three people. Mm-hmm. And so that they are two of the potential three yeah. suspects. So don't you, spoil things for me on I'm this podcast. Gonna, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm dipping in to find out where you are because okay. you're about to find out who that body is. Okay. And uh, and then I'm going to need to hear from you. I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> Twists and turns. Ooh, can't wait. Uh, so that's Jack Reacher. That's what's going on there. Should we move on to grab bag stuff? All right. Um, since you're already prepared, why don't you go ahead and get your grab bags going? Okay. So let's talk things that I am checking out right now that I'm really into. So first of all, I just started to replay another video game that I played maybe like a year or two ago. Um, During the pandemic. Oh, maybe before. I, 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 well, not important, but yeah, I, I thought I thought that you went on a string of these games specifically during the pandemic. Maybe. So the game is called Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, it does have a sequel, which is awesome because when you're done playing the first one, you're immediately going to be like jonesing for something else, and it's got a sequel, which is great. Um, and it is. Uh, I'm playing it on the Switch. I love it. It is a really adorable game. The only thing I will say, so it's a platformer. It's got worlds, uh, like tricky little complex situations that you're in as a character, puzzles. puzzles um, all of that is there. But the the worlds are lush and beautiful looking and gorgeous, and I love that about it. Uh, but it's really kind of tough because interwoven, of course, is a story. Mm-hmm. And man, does that story make me ball. I mean, if you've got cute little animals going through like difficult things and like the evils of, of, of nature, I cannot deal with it. So you're it's an emotional game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will say this time around, I'm actually like when the, when the story scenes come up, I'm just sort of like I've seen you hiding. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> I will like look at my tweets, like refresh my feed, let it get through because I just want to play the game and I just don't want to go through <laughs> the emotional journey. I've earned that right because I went through it the very first time. It's true, but it's a great game. I want you to play it at some point. Yeah, uh, it's so like Hollow Knight, um, you know, another Metroidvania. Um, but I remember when you were playing this one and getting frustrated by the challenges of some of the levels because they are almost intentionally meanly tricksy. Yeah, they're also, they also want you to go through and like do side quests. So like I was getting to the parts where there was difficulty before I had done side quests that would help me with those parts because I hate side quests. Yes, you do. And I want to go straight to fight the big monster at the end. That is a thing that is very different about you and I. You are mm-hmm. the king of side quests. Like, you will do every side quest and then roll up. I like to explore. Into the... I like to explore too, but I want to beat the big guy. You can explore after. <laughs> like, when things are chill and, you know, no one's like after you. Yeah, so. but you head to the... You head to the the, the boss's uh, domain and and uh, and get into a fight and I go and gear up and find a whole bunch of stuff and then I uh, and then you go like yeah. a Terminator <laughs> yeah totally I mean and and I, and I get that that's like the way to do it but I have succeeded in my way True. quite often and the thing is 
sometimes when you start out by fighting the most challenging thing, it's actually going to make you a better player is my personal theory, because you're doing the hardest thing at all in order to even make it past the first few seconds without getting stopped on or squashed or like (laughs) completely beheaded or something crazy. You really have to adapt quickly. You don't have the luxury of tiny little side quests and upgrades, right? And that painstaking sort of journey. I just don't have a lot of patience as a human being. So <laughs> this is this is why my gameplay matches that. But that's what it was about Ori for me was that, you know, there there's parts of um, some of those side quests that I was like, oh, great, I guess I can't pass this particular part of the game unless I go and I get that thing that they told me to get earlier that I was like, meh, let's try right. it without. You go back and you get it. It's actually fun. Like, it's actually the journey of getting the thing is fun. Yeah. Not all the time. Don't give me that face. Not all (laughs) games is it fun. Sometimes side quests are incredibly tedious and boring, and you know this, but you love tedious and boring. So, (laughs) apparently. So, yeah, I just don't have the patience for it. No, it's just, it's from my background with the Metroid games where... You know, you start out depowered and you have to go pick up all the stuff. And then the, the journey of getting the thing proves why you need the thing. And then proves why you couldn't reach other things. And it's just good gameplay. I mean, you know, some people mess it up. But the board games seem to have it on lock. Yeah, they do. They they do it really well. And it's just such a lovely game. Again, one that's got like a kind of a fab soundtrack. But beautiful it's not. It, it's more. Yeah, that's actually a better way to describe it. It's beautiful music. I don't think I'm going to be sitting around like doing deep work you know pulling this soundtrack up like i would for you know hollow knight like i have for um gosh what was that monument monument valley had a fabulous soundtrack and then machinarium had probably the best soundtrack of any game ever so good we own it on vinyl twice so good we own the original on vinyl as well as the new remix one that they did recently limited edition with orbital yeah. I mean, wow. Stun- Good stuff. Stunning some of the things uh, things that exist out there. But yeah, but it's a, but it's a great like background uh background backdrop. Yeah. slash type of soundtrack. Um and so, yeah, I really recommend that game. I think it's also a really fun one to play when you're just sort of like um unwinding from the day. Like there I don't know if you do this, but I have games for specific reasons. Like they're games that I'm playing because they are a creative goal-based like thing that I'm trying to attain in my mm-hmm. life then there are games that I play to unwind from the work day like a Splatoon maybe you know where you're kind of getting into a situation and you don't need to think too much because you know the controls it's muscle memory at this point yeah and you're going into battle or you're doing something sort of team-based that I was mean, you with Breath of the Wild for a while too but Not Breath of the it. Wild was different because Breath of the Wild was like it, it puts you in a meditative state <laughs> Of flow. It does. And you can just play that for hours and it accomplished many different things for me from like an emotional, um, you know, intellectual sort of processing perspective. But Ori is a little bit leaning heavier towards the like wind down, you know, like loosen up sort of at the end of a long workday type deal. Um, And that's what I love about it. Because yes, there's this like story. Yes, there's all these like complexities in the games that you have to deal with. But once you get into the rhythm, you can kind of play it on autopilot. In the right, way, right. Right. And you can, and it allows you to sort of like latently process thoughts of the day and kind of like solve problems that are happening in other yes. areas of your life, like in the background while you're playing the game in a way that's much more successful than if you were to have sat there, extended your work day. I mean, there's a lot of science about this too, but like it, that's what games do for me. For sure. And that's what I think this game is particularly good at helping you do is get to that state of flow where like you're you're so you're very present actually yeah. in the game. You're able to like you're not not thinking about it. 
you're you're in the game. You're changing the card your brain you're using. Yeah, because you're not thinking about all the other it, what ifs and if that whatever, you can actually solve problems like I said latently while you're going through this game, and I love that about it, and this it's been what, great. This is what I use it for too, because yeah. you know you can uh, you can you can go through this entire day where you've spent all this mental energy trying to figure out the best way to accomplish these complex things. And so especially once you get to a certain level of like grammar with a game where you kind of speak its language and you can, you know, understand its systems and then yeah. take your, your back brain can take over a little bit. You start to trade the, the four, this is very scientific, um, <laughs> the four brain and the back brain. And then your daily problems sort of drift back yeah. uh, while you're working focus with, you know, with, with, with all of your concentration. And so, yeah, no, you can, you, you will often come home and or come back into the living room from your office and start working on this and then you know just getting into some fights and and climbing some walls and processing along with the music and cry about an owl and uh (laughs) yeah no kidding no kidding (laughs) but uh it's amazing and seeing like here's the thing i love is when you get into a game like that breath of the wild wind waker back in the day ocarina of time majora's mask like all the Zelda yeah, games, I just yeah. print, but but all the games that you get into, like Hollow Knight and these other ones, they have a vibe, <laughs> and so you're one of those people who will play and then pause, and then play and then pause, and so I like the fact that over a while our house has a certain soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, you said this <laughs> on the last podcast too, which I think is so cute because it is like for me any any game, it's 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 the same thing in in any other aspect of life too. Like when you get really absorbed. And immersed in something and you know with something you 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 see it in every other thing that you do and you start to like pick out from you know from some of the other areas of your life things that you can infuse into it to Mm -hmm. make yourself better in some way to make the product better in some way to make the experience better in some way whatever it is and I find that games have a way to do that for me in I think because they're tactile and visual and all these other things, like all of it together, you, you literally cannot do anything else to sort of consume it half passively, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Like with a book, it's very difficult. You have to like put your phone away if you want to like do all, you know, like really get some deep reading and it's a practice you have to like build up to. With mm-hmm. a movie, you probably got your phone nearby. <laughs> like the phone is all of it. But what you cannot do that with a video game. No. You are completely present and then like because the physical aspect of that present like presentness has been taken care of then it's up to the story and the gameplay the mechanics to take you along in that creative way as well and so like this is a game that does that work very very well like the controls are beautiful the fighting mechanics are great the physics of the game is really lovely especially as you power up in your movement Mm -hmm. it's really cool um and so i found it was really easy to uh let it kind of take me on the journey yeah. So I recommend that, that game a lot. Well, uh, I'm excited to see you continue to play this one and also get back into the second one. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very, very good games. So. Yeah. Well, I, I want to hear one of your grab bag items. <laughs> well, so on the last one, I talked about Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, I beat all three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. And it was a journey and... Lives were lost, choices were made, yeah. tears were shed. Amazing. Congratulations. I am so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so 
uh, I didn't really know what to do with myself. I started playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Not as good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's, it's got its moments. But I, I was just kind of drifting. And I recently, on Friday, started playing the new remaster of Skyward Sword. And oh, I gosh. am enjoying it more than I did when it first came out. But yeah. uh, also, you know, again, adrift. Yeah. So, I've uh, been leaning back into the thing that I really started getting into over over the pandemic, probably, uh-huh. which is not just the show, not just the books, not just the, you know, games, but Witcher stuff. Oh, Witcher. you nerd. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about Witcher. Yeah, That's we are. Right. We're going to have to talk about it when the new season of yeah, the Yeah, maybe we'll do drops. a rewatch in the fall, because it comes out December, December. 17th. Dang. Yeah. Well... There's more Witcher stuff coming because Netflix has realized they've got a thing yeah. that people care about, which is so rare they for them. Milk it, <laughs> and so now there's like an animated movie coming mm. um, about his teacher, and then there's another show starring Michelle Yeoh. Coming. Ah. Um, and this is all in the midst of them about to re-release The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt, huh. one of the best games ever, which I have also been playing. Um, for the PlayStation 5, so next-gen consoles. So, it's Witcher Mania right now. Wow. Netflix just had WitcherCon. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of reading The Tower of the Swallow. Um, what are they? So, The Witcher, book, movie, game, whatever, is these. it's based on these books by Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. And they're like a re-contextualization of fairy tales, but they're also... Like, um, a fantasy series about specific characters, but they're also, they're not like the kind of fantasy that you see all over the place, which is like Lord of the Rings light, all plot, all tropes. This really recontextualizes a lot of that stuff that's just become fantasy into really compelling character driven, but, but also like if Lee Child is the king of short sharp sentences explaining what's going on. Like, in a lot of ways, Sapkowski is, is very much about taking you through the more emotional aspects of who these characters are and what they think about their relationships with each other, mm. what's important to them. Because the, the backdrop is always some level of the same, which is, like, two parts of the continent are at war. The Nilfgaardians and the other kingdoms to the north. Yeah. And there's, you know, kingdoms that fall and kingdoms that rise and trails and there's guilds of sorcerers that are doing things and there's um different monsters what is the witcher the witch like a witcher is just a person who is part of a guild that kills monsters so four or five hundred years ago a thing called the conjunction of the spheres basically deposited all sorts of you know monsters and magic and all, all this stuff um well it's not four or five hundred years i i need to learn the history you should this. talk to my friend king <laughs> he can definitely clear it all up for you for sure so uh, all like from from different dimensions and stuff like now humans elves and everybody all lives together on this continent there's a lot of historical stuff like elves kind of fitting into a bit of the native american narrative of of you know our current world hmm. um but there's always war and there's there's you know there's monsters and so these guild members, witchers, basically are mutated humans who have the the ability, the speed, reflexes, and all of that to kill monsters. But that's not even what all of this is about. As you remember when we watched season one, 
He kills a few monsters. Yeah. You know, but really it all becomes down to like... With cool names like Kikimura. Kikimura. What a cool Selkimura. name for a monster. Yeah. yeah. The Selkimaw. There's all sorts of like cool mytholog- mythological creatures, cockatrices, yeah. griffins, all this the, stuff. The daughter of the the king. That was Striga. Striga, yes. Yeah. And it's always like... The, the reason that that story, that episode is a perfect one to hit on. And I think why the show is so popular. Because every episode is its own story. It's not that mm-hmm. Netflix bloat of like, I couldn't tell you what happens in episode three of this show versus episode yeah. six. You know, it's like one long story. It's a very boring way to do things. Yeah. But in that episode, there's a monster. Yeah. They hire a witcher. The monster kills the witcher. Geralt shows up to kill the monster. And then he finds out that the monster is actually, you know, the daughter of another character yeah. who's been cursed. And then, you know, all this stuff to kind of get to the end point where you've reunited this lost little girl with her father. Yeah. And all the weird stuff that happens in between that. Yeah. Like, that's an entire story. That's one story. And that's the way that the books are. Like, mm-hmm. you'll go through a passage where it's one story and then it's to the next story. And then there is a long conjoined narrative. I mean, it's a novella. Right, right. Yeah. But so there is a long storyline across the books of Geralt looking for Ciri and trying to protect her, his, like, adopted daughter. Mm. But it's all in the moments of, like, now he's found himself with these new traveling companions and they have to accomplish goal X or Y. Like, in the book I've just been reading, he quits being a witcher. He's like, I'm not a witcher anymore. Yeah. I'm just looking for my adopted daughter. Yeah. I don't, I'm not here to kill monsters. Just give me the information I need. Yeah. And so it's just this rich experience with great characters and it's... And a hot Henry Cavill. And a hot Henry Cavill. <laughs> Can't forget that one. And, you know, the the show is amazing. They cast it so well. Yeah. Everybody in the show is amazing. But the, the books are really like kind of where I keep returning, where I just mm. love to get swept up in them. And then go play the game or something. And oh, you're doing the trifecta. So you're doing, doing show, book, and the game here. Wow. I'm never not doing... I'm not always doing it all at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes I go back and watch the show. Sometimes I'm reading the books. Yeah. Sometimes I'm playing the games. Yeah. But I'm usually doing something Witcher-related for like the past year or so. Wow. And you would like the game because even though there is villager talking... Oh, Lord. <laughs> The cool thing about it is that my style of play doesn't work because I can't go over the next hill and look and see what's over there because mm-hmm. whatever wolves or cockatrices or griffins mm-hmm. or kikimoras are lurking over there are so far over leveled, they will just kill me. Yeah. So I don't get to like wander around and find a druid temple yeah. because whatever's in there will probably kill me. Uh, so yeah. I, I have to go do this mission, then this mission. And then this mission, and go to this town to do this mission. I have to follow the story, otherwise everything will kill me. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a shot again, as long as it doesn't have too many of the, like, fact-finding, talk to 15,000 people before you can get to your goal situation. <laughs> you know I'm not a big, like, RPGer, but it's I, from what I've seen you play of it, there's enough action in there oh, that yeah. it might be fine for me. So. The combat takes a little bit to get used to, but... Um, but once you master it, yeah. it's so satisfying to just chop off somebody's head and not have to listen to them anymore. Yeah. 
Well, cool. I guess yeah. we've got we've got a couple little uh, all Witcher stuff all the time. Yeah, little Witcher esque things to talk about um, in the future too. Yeah. Well, cool. I I know there's more stuff in grab bag, but we've been at it yakking away for quite some time. Yeah. So maybe it's time to. Say farewell for episode two. Yeah, we want to thank you for listening. Some of you have already given us ratings, and that really means so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for doing that. It's so lovely, and um, thank you for for hanging out with us. Yeah, for the last hour or so. And look out because um, we've already kind of got some surprises up for some of the the upcoming episodes. We so. do, yeah, and we've got a couple of y'all who have. Um, reached out with some some uh, pop culture areas of expertise who want to uh, join us on the show. So we're excited to, to have some guests coming up in the near future. Uh, so stay tuned for more. This is so much fun for us. And thanks again. All right. Thanks, y'all.